as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez. It is called the Center for Urban Ecology, and you will find that now at, at what I refer to lovingly as Quinta Mazatlan, Quinta Mazatlan, the beautiful <laughs> nature reserve that we have next to the airport in McAllen. Colleen Hooks is with Quinta Mazatlan. I know you broke some ground and had a ceremony for this. So tell me more about this Center for Urban Ecology, Colleen. Quinta Mazatlan, you know, opened in 2006 as the McAllen Wing of the World Birding Center. And uh, we've just continued to grow um, the purpose of Quinta Mazatlan. And education was key. Conservation was key. And um, partnerships with the University of Texas and McAllen Independent School District just continued to grow since, since the very beginning. The need and the hunger to raise stewards of the land. So uh, we've continued to purchase land adjacent to Quinta Mazatlan. Okay. And this new Center of Urban Ecology is going to be on 14 acres outside of what we call old Quinta Mazatlan. This is going to be the new Quinta Mazatlan. So old Quinta Mazatlan is not going to be touched. We continue to... Uh, service school groups every day and birders and families. And um, we had a refest festival last weekend at Old Quinta Mazatlan. Um, well, the Center for Urban Ecology is under construction, which is a two-year project. Um, it, it's quite a large project. We have um, the best of the best architects um, really in the country, overland architects out of San Antonio. I mean, they received national awards for building sustainable projects. And a sustainable project is one that's defined to address the people, profit, and the planet. So it's, it's a real, very unique business model um, that benefits people and wildlife, but also works to bring income to the city via ecotourism, mm-hmm. you know, filling our hotels and, and motels and um, helps help cities direct their funds and projects to continue to green their cities. These are people who want to come to natural areas when they vacation. And, of course, those who live here want to live in a beautiful location um, with the flora and the fauna. Speaking of uh, birds and nature, is this peak migration period I, I mean i see exotic birds all over the place especially on the power lines they're migrating through the area is this like peak time to go visit uh quinta and take in all the exotic birds that are traveling through the area yeah it's a wonderful time um the uh, the birds travel with their winter texans and mm-hmm. so it's starting to get cold up north <laughs> <laughs> And they want to they want to fly down south to the tropics and uh, 
Quinta Mazatlan is, is one of their hotels uh, for the birds, not the people. La Quinta is something different. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a wonderful time to yeah. go to all our nature centers in the Rio Grande Valley. And the nine rural birding centers, you know, from Roma to South Padre Island, all with unique habitats. Yeah. And you'll see all different birds. And so, yeah. Excellent. It's a great yeah. time to take the family. Right. Colleen Hooks with Quinta Mazatlan joining us. Uh, Colleen, Tim Sullivan here. Wondering, is the Center for Urban Ecology, is it intended to be uh, similar to the South Texas Ecotourism Center that recently opened in Cameron County uh, near Laguna Vista? Is the purpose intended to be similar as as far as a focus on education, uh, environmental education for kids and also to attract ecotourists? Yes, the the Center for Urban Ecology is um, about the actual. It's interesting. We call, we call it the Q, mm-hmm. the Center for Urban Ecology, and it is both a place and a partnership, if, if that makes sense. And the place is a is going to be a fourteen acre expansion. There's going to be a five acre children's adventure garden. Um, there's going to be an HEB health cooking pavilion. Um, there are native that's gardens. That's there's a sensory garden. Um, McAllen Public Utilities is sponsoring um, what we call uh, Rio Walk. It's, um, it's going to be a quarter-mile walk replicating the true Rio Grande River, you know, that goes through two countries. So... Um, Yes, every, everything about it is educational. The The building itself, the Center for Urban Ecology building, will be run by the University of Texas. There will be science labs nice. um, at the facility. Um, the the scientists, um, students, and professor will be in glass cubicles um, designed for people to walk through and, and talk to these scientists mm, about yeah. what they're studying, what they're doing. So the students and the professors themselves are the attraction, which which is so unique and so amazing. Sometimes in these facilities, the science labs are on the eighth floor and, you know, it's locked <laughs> off from the general public. Right. Um, but, but the whole point is for them to interact, for students to... Um, meet people just like them that have grown up in the valley. Sometimes we import our scientists from elsewhere, so they'll be exposed to a lot of uh, career opportunities uh, in this industry as well. And one of our major goals is is to do projects off the campus. Again, it's a place and a partnership. I'm not sure if you're aware that you know we're putting in these tiny forests um, we've just put in our third tiny forest, and it's the most amazing way. Right, to the urban forest that city. the city is, yes. is involved in. Yeah, yeah. Talk more yeah. about the. Um, you mentioned this earlier: urban ecological sustainability. What, what's the future of that in this region? So, so this is a great example of a sustainable project. Again, it's designed for the people. Um, <clears throat> the their major attractions, but it's all it's an outdoor museum. You know, that's what's I think that's what's so unique about this project. It's an outdoor museum 
with educational opportunities. Um, it's also a major reforestation project of the entire campus. Approximately 3% of it will have a building footprint. The rest of it is a reforestation project with over 24,000 native plants and a wetland. So it will, it, our, our, our facility for birders and visitors and families is basically doubling. Right. It's basically doubling. Well our habitat. Colleen, we appreciate um, uh, your contribution today. i got less than a minute, but time's running out real quick. The, the Center for Urban sure. Ecology, Center for Urban Ecology, which will be there on campus, and it's an expansion of Quinta Mazatlan, will be, uh, should be up and running in a, in a couple of years. And uh, real quick, uh, just a few seconds, price tag for this, uh, who paid for it? The city, UTRNGV, grant, um, in, in 10 seconds, who, who paid for this? A majority of the project came from grants and our partnerships. All right. Is there a holiday theme you want to mention, like in five seconds? Christmas? Go visit right now. Quinta Mazatlan? We, we've got Thursday night programs. We've got concerts in the park and lots right. of activities on the weekend. So join us. And Good. thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Colleen. We appreciate you. From Quinta Mazatlan, is Colleen Hooks. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710 KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United crisp, clear audio, and access to previous programs from 710-KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. New Chief for Economic Development Efforts from the county level at Hidalgo County in studio, Juan Gonzalez joining us. And just a, a quick mention, just a few seconds. He's family to us. Uh, uh, Juan uh, married um, Iris, young reporter, about 25, 30 years ago here yes. at KURV. And, uh, man, she might be running a local school district here pretty soon. She'd work on her doctorate That's for education. Great. She's done real good in education. And Juan is uh, taking care of economic development efforts from the county perspective. When I heard that, Juan, I thought, this is Richard. There's Richard Cortez, his mind for, you know, from the city perspective and oh, for many years. And I'm thinking, you know, this is him pushing to try to get Hidalgo County a voice, a seat, uh, to, to help with the efforts to bring industry down here. Absolutely. He yeah. is so wise, and he's building the team. We haven't had economic development for a while, yeah. so he's been working very hard to to bring more business to our area, and and I'm fortunate that I was the one selected to to help in this endeavor. Pretty new for, for you, like yes. 60, I, 90 days, something like that? Yes, been, correct. Okay. I started in 9-11, so it's hard for me to oh, not forget that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'll be an easy anniversary day exactly. for you. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I was doing 15 years in nonprofit, so I have a background in business. I have a master's in public administration, yeah. so that's really what has geared me to where I'm at now. Yeah, and so um, the reason you're here is because part of the business news is that massive, some big 
battery farm for Hidalgo County. That's correct. And that's really going to help our area in time of need. If there's yeah. with those fluctuations of electricity, now we're going to have access for a couple of hours in case of an emergency that we will have power. New chief for economic development efforts from the Hidalgo County perspective, Juan Gonzalez joining us. Juan, talk more about that uh, in, in the event of a blackout, in the, in the event that the state grid That's uh, blows up or whatever. Yeah. Um, how, how much of an impact will, will this uh, battery storage facility have on, and how wide of an impact will it be able to uh, take up part of the slack of the grid? It would pretty much cover the, the entire valley, and it would be a couple of hours. It's not uh, you know, days, but it is a couple of hours just to help us wait and see if, if the power comes back up. As you know, the fluctuation has been uh, there, and, and we've seen it. So with this, we'll, we'll help that endeavor. And not only for us, but it can send anywhere else in, in, in the area. So from what I understand, it's connected to a substation, That's and correct. you're able to send some of our power to the grid Correct. Which, in the event of emergency, will, will come back to us. Exactly, and that's the whole point, that we will be able to help, and at the same time, others will be able to help us. Okay, so lithium-ion batteries being stored uh -huh. here, where do they come from? Yeah. Uh, the batteries themselves, mm -hmm. they are being uh, uh, made here in the United States, uh, and they're being brought here, and this is one of the first ones that, that we really have in the area. It's, a, it, it's a revenue generator as well, right? Correct. Somebody told me that the county... We'll be uh, pumping energy into the grid as well, thereby that's, generating revenue. That's correct. And also on the tax revenue. I mean, that that was a big area of, of just farming land. So within 10 years, we were going to be recovering maybe 27000 in taxes. Now with this improvement, hmm. we're looking at about $6 million of tax revenue for the county. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. How popular are these, I don't know, so-called battery farms? Because Harlingen's got a couple of... Um, couple of proposals going on with a couple of different companies for uh, battery storage facilities there. Since we've had the, the, the last freeze, they're more popular because <laughs> of the need. And the government has really been working to, to put more of them for, for that specific reason so that we can use them in, in, types of, in time of need. How much acreage will this one take up, did you say? Uh, it's uh, about 20 acres. Okay. South Texas, an ideal location because of the weather, I would imagine. Yeah, the cold is an uh, electricity killer, but you know, we don't get that cold that often. No, we don't. So are there, are there other investors, other firms? Is the phone ringing saying, hey, we heard you're hosting a battery farm down there. Hey, we'd like to put a, a battery farm down there's there There's definitely well. others <clears throat> looking into the area okay. because of the need. So there's definitely going to be more in the future and maybe even municipalities that be able to to get in there. Any other new energy? There's always like wind farms or other type. Anybody else looking? Because we got plenty of acres north of the cities, a lot of Quinenia, a lot of ranch country. That's that could correct. Be kind of like in Stark County. That's they're filling up with, with And, and we are farm. looking at that also. There's uh, other entities looking at wind. Yeah. So definitely it's something that would be having more of. Juan, Juan Gonzalez is uh, Chief of Economic Development, Hidalgo County. Go ahead. Solar uh, companies as well, too? I, I, I would suspect that in the near future we would also be looking at solar. Yeah. How much of the land, like between here and the border for the county, uh, does the – because the county does pretty much have oversight and control of all that acreage, although it might be owned by Correct. several ranchers Correct. and – 
folks that have but we do we hunting uh, leases and things the, like the, that. The, the whole county, like you said, it's it's overseen by by the county. Obviously. What other low hanging fruit do you see? You and uh, the judge and commission see as far as economic development projects we could help McAllen, Edinburgh, Mission bring to town. We're actually trying to work on a a uh, memorandum of understanding with Costep. Uh, because there is more leads coming to our area, and they'll be able to help us funnel to the right entities, to the right municipalities to help us bring more business. So that's what we're looking at right now. We're actually, as we speak, working on it. Yeah, they're coming at us pretty quick. Yes. Yeah, and part of that, I suspect, would be like Reshore, companies moving from Asia. Correct. Coming back Correct. to the U.S. They're, they're looking at this area. Of course, they were looking at Mexico. Now they're looking at right here at the border. Yeah. Manufacturing. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And high, high tech too. High tech and, and manufacturing and lots of like them. with McAllen Landing the, the the Soho and the software and Correct. the park that they have out there. Correct. I mean that could be a potentially a domino effect if we work things right. I, I I've seen this, and you probably have over the past several years a new synergy developing between Texas workforce, uh, the local colleges, uh, avant garde training programs like. Um, um, apprenticeship programs for nursing, other things like that taking place down here. And that's the whole point of that is to be help us be prepared for, for when that, that is coming because it's coming and we're getting ready for that. And like you were uh, mentioning, Judge Cortez, he's very wise and, and, and really we have a great leader in the county that is helping and seeing that. He's a visionary. We hear that this battery farm, uh, part of the work on the county level is a tax abatement you know, to try to you know, lure them and, of course, provide we some were incentive. Competing. We were competing with the other counties, so that's one of the ways that you can attract them. Okay, so. very well. Mm-hmm. Then, so we might have other similar Correct. contracts coming up here pretty soon. How long this abatement for this specific investor? Five years. Five years. Five years, yes. Okay, very well mm-hmm. then. Well, we wish you continued success, and thanks for stopping by, Juan. Thank we you. It's always a pleasure. The beginning of several conversations about economic development projects. Juan Gonzalez, he's the chief over our economic development efforts over at Hidalgo County. I love your show. Hello. Hello. Having our voices heard. That's right. Yeah. You live and you learn. Exactly right. This is our country. Use your heads on this stuff. Bingo. Sick of the talking heads. I agree with you. Talk, 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 talk. Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm here. I'm just listening. Yes. No. Yeah. No. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Everyone is so smart. They are so dumb. Who is she the judge? To stand up to do something. Thank you. The Valley's only News Talk station, News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. In studio at 710 KURV from our HQ now in Mission, Texas. We're in Mission, Texas, along with our Radio United Families. And in studio from the Council for South Texas Economic Progress. And many of y'all in business community know them as COSTET. Adam Gonzalez, CEO. And uh, Rick Carrera, he's Director of Economic Development. Adam, we need to start with you because for a lot of working people driving around town, they hear the the name COSTEP uh, quite a bit. Describe for me what COSTEP is. What what does COSTEP do? Brother, come up to the microphone. Yeah, COSTEP is a a regional economic development organization that serves a seven-county region Mm -hmm. and ten municipios on the Mexico side. We cover from uh, Brownsville, Texas to Laredo, Texas. Mm -hmm. Our main focus is to attract business to the region. Uh, from a national status to an international status. Uh, we're looking for industry, manufacturing, 
jobs to create jobs that will have a, you know better paying salaries and 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 create jobs for our residents here in South Texas. You work in tandem with economic development offices, let's say Mission, McAllen, and yeah, Valley uh, Chamber. In our region, there's approximately a little over thirty. Uh, economic development organizations that are community-based, uh-huh. and we're here to augment their efforts, not compete against them. Uh, what we do is is uh, we act as a tip of the spear, so we find opportunities, and once uh, those opportunities decide where they want to settle, we uh, we match them up with the ec- local economic development. In studio at 710KURV, that you just heard the voice of Adam Gonzalez, CEO of Costa. Well, let's... Um Let's ask what's coming up. Who do you have uh, lining up to come to the Valley we're as far bring, as uh, manufacturing uh, industry uh, jobs? Rick Carrera, Director of Economic Development. Come on to the microphone, Rick. Sure. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me. Good morning, everybody. Yes, sir. No, we're working with a couple of uh, promising leads right now. Uh, we can't divulge too much information, but they would be one in the food service industry and another one would be on the manufacturing side. Um, Probably two, man- both technically are manufacturers, right? So you have food manufacturing and you have other that's going to be a large industrial. Technically, they still fall under the manufacturing type of umbrella. Uh, one would be an incredible job creator. The other would be a job creator in addition to having something that is probably not seen here in the area um, as often as one would think they mm-hmm. would see here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's... Kind of running along those lines, we don't want to divulge too much information. We really can't at this point, but uh, they both look promising. I've been working with both these groups for probably a couple of months now, and Adam and myself uh, hosted uh, have hosted these, both these groups for a quick tour, as they call it. We kind of gave them a tour of the area. Mm-hmm. They were interested in the area. They weren't uh, exactly sure where they wanted to be, so we that was our that was that's where we stepped in. We just kind of take them a tour of the area, just kind of kind of show them the assets. Show them what, you know, we get an idea of what they're looking for in terms of a location, what they're going to need. Do they need access to rail? Do they need access to barge, railway, you know, waterways, that kind of thing. And then we just kind of hone in and try to kind of get them to where they need to be. You promote the entire valley. That's correct, correct, sir. Yeah. And northern Mexico. Northern Mexico. Yeah, it's actually the Rio Grande Valley and then to the west side, of course, it's the Laredo area. Okay. And then the 10 municipios that correspond on the other side of the river. All right. That cover the same area. A lot has been said of uh, low-hanging fruit available now with reshore and companies coming back to you know the Western Hemisphere, whether it's manufacturing um, south of the border or around here. Is the phone ringing off the hook? People asking for tours and, and you prospecting along with colleagues that are in economic development efforts. It's I would say here. it's ringing off the hook, but we have been reached out to a few times. Yeah. So it it and that is something that is it's kind of the buzz bud word right now: nearshoring, nearshoring, yeah. reshoring, that kind of thing. It's, it's not something that we're not familiar with. We pursue those opportunities as much as we possibly can, only because we feel like we're in a really, really good spot to take advantage. How do we grease the kids and how do we make things easier to make it happen? Because I hear some folks complaining, well, you know, McAllen is, is landlocked and doesn't have t- you know too much land to develop. And we need more warehousing yes. as well in order to, for industry to arrive and, and, and get busy. From your perspective on economic development, again, that's uh, Rick Carrera. He's director of economic development of COSTEP. Also, you'll notice Adam Gonzalez, CEO of COSTEP. If if you had a magic wand mm-hmm. and say, ding, this is what we need to do mm-hmm. so that we land and don't lose those prospects to right. Corpus, San Antonio, Houston, we can do it down here, and we've got the education facilities to you know, train workforce. these people. So what, what would you do, Rick? 
to make things easier. So we're that's kind of an advantage that we have as Coast because we're not a we're not representing one particular entity. We're not yeah. representing one city, one county. We're representing the entire region. As a region, we can take on those projects because, like I said, uh, okay, maybe some of the bigger cities are landlocked. A lot of our smaller cities have property available, mm -hmm. and they're still within a vicinity of the larger cities. So typically what, what I've kind of foresee or I can envision happening is maybe one of our smaller communities in one of the four counties of the Rio Grande Valley or maybe Laredo, whatever, having the property to be able to house a large industrial complex, a large manufacturing facility, yeah. and then you get everybody commuting to that area. Commutes of 30 minutes and that kind of thing are not uncommon, even the Rio Grande Valley. Oh, yeah. Anymore, no, right? I, so if you know if, <laughs> if you get somebody to locate, I guess where I'm going with that is if you have the property that's available, maybe it's not in some of the urban areas, maybe it's somewhere in the rural areas, I think, because that's where I kind of come in and say, look, we've got property available here in the area. Maybe you can't locate all your operations in one city, but you can put your interest, your manufacturing in one part of where the property is available. Yeah. And maybe the other logistical and we've heard for years. go on another city. Yeah, we've heard for years, like uh, Keith over at McAllen, he'll pick up the phone and call Teclo and Mission and say, hey, man, you got some land? I, I got these, or his people, right? right? Edinburgh will do the same thing, and they'll right. they'll call them, and they'll work with each other harder than them. Mm -hmm. They will all work with each other. But it just seems like like the prospecting today is fast and furious. There's like so much work that needs to be done, and then it's into areas that we've never been in before, like high tech, right? Right. We got a chip manufacturer coming to the area, yeah. and all of a sudden we got dominoes falling all over the place. And I, I, I'm hoping that we're we're able to stay, you know, straight up on foot and, and not stumble over ourselves in order to get the job done. Do you want to get your comments on? Uh, let me let me bring back to the mic from Adam Gonzalez. He's a CEO of Costa. Uh, get your thoughts on the amazing evolution of industry coming to the area. Well, it seems to be more high-tech now, and we've got more medical stuff coming yeah, on the I, way I as think well. the biggest thing is bringing awareness to the region and what we have. And, and like Rick mentioned earlier, the assets that we have, our educational assets, yeah. the schools that we have here, the training that we have here, um, and, and also just bring awareness. I mean, we've, our focus is to bring site selectors and companies down that are, are not familiar with the area. So we put them on a plane, get them down here, showcase the assets, let them choose where they want to locate, and then start working with that EDO, that local EDO. Yeah. So if they don't know we're here, I mean, then that defeats the purpose of, of trying to advertise our assets. For the companies that you are trying to attract and who are showing interest, what are they telling you as far as when, they, when you give them a tour of the area? Do they like the transportation infrastructure? Is there enough rail? Um, is, is the Port of Brownsville a, a, a good spot? Uh, do we need to be ramping up more as far as when it comes to uh, rail transportation? Well, we definitely rail is, is big. And as you well know, you know, now in, the Laredo, in our part of the region, the Laredo area, you know, we have, you know, the Kansas City Southern that, that now runs all the way to Canada, all the way to yeah. Mexico. We, yeah. do, we, we do need more rail infrastructure in the, in the valley, valley, in the valley, I think. <laughs> uh, the port is a great attraction that we have. Yes, sir. Uh, SpaceX, the aerospace <laughs> industry is, is huge. I think, uh, you know, I've visited Europe a couple of times on mission trips with the governor's office. And that's one of the biggest things they always tell them, hey, you have SpaceX down there now. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think tech is, is, is big. We definitely need to look for those opportunities that are going to create well-paying jobs, good-paying jobs for our, for our residents, and that require some sort of skill sets that we can deliver here in the region. How closely do you work with the universities, with the local colleges, from TSDC to SDC, TSC, all these colleges? We work with, with very close with the four-year and the two-year institutions yeah. that are here. 
As a matter of fact, I administer two companies. One is COSTEP and one is the Real South Texas Education and Community Development Foundation. Mm -hmm. For short, we call it RESTEP. What they do is they grant monies to, to schools for uh, specific programs that are on-demand jobs. In the past uh, three years, we've given about $4 million in grants, and we're fixing to release right at $2.3 million at the beginning of this year for the specific workforce training, like get people on the ground, like specifically specific. uh, jobs that are on demand in the region. All right, very well. We want to get those jobs filled. Yeah, I would right. imagine a lot of it would be construction based, based on the, the eighteen billion over the at the port with the LNG thing. That's that's the first project. There's another one that might be coming here uh, pretty soon. Uh, final thought from you, a quick review of uh, of the economic uh, year for. No, for I Coast think there's Day. great things happening here in what we call real South Texas, which includes. The Rio Grande Valley in the Laredo area. Yeah. We call Do we it really South need Texas. to include Laredo, though? I mean, is, is that truly that necessary? Laredo has a great assets that we need. To I'm kidding. Promote. I'm kidding. I love you, Laredo. <laughs> we have we have our radio station cluster in Laredo as, oh, as, as well. Mm -hmm. Final thought from you, Rick. Appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, I'm going to go back to what Jim was asking a minute ago. The, the quick tours that we've had, they've been impressed. Um, they like what they see in the area. The port is a huge draw. The, the rail, obviously, I think everybody could use more rail. Matter of fact, um, I sat in in a, in, a, in a discussion yesterday with a local switching company hosted by the Wesco EDC yesterday. They were kind enough to invite me out there. Really informative. There's good infrastructure here, but I think across the country, everybody could use more rail. So yeah. They like the workforce here, too? They do. Yeah. Uh, we have a young workforce. Yes. Uh, a lot advantage. of people kind of overlook that, but we have a very young, very young population here that's looking for a good opportunity. Yep. And I think it's it's... It's going to be a, a, one of our one of our selling points, or it is one of our selling points. Yeah, well, keep uh, swinging away at that piñata, and we wish you great success and economic development efforts in 2024. Thanks for stopping by, Thank gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Yes, sir. Adam Gonzalez, CEO, Costep. Rick Carrera, Director of Economic Development at Costep. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Para Mi app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Update on the water situation, or lack thereof, especially when it comes to the watershed. Sonny Hinojosa is our local water advocate. Let's get the latest numbers as reported by IBWC. What you got, Sonny? Uh, good morning. Yeah, the the latest numbers that we have is U.S. is at you know 21.39%, which is 722,000 acre feet. You know, the rains we had mid-November helped a little bit, you know, from keeping us from having to draw water from the reservoirs. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as we've talked before, we missed anything in the tropical season. So we're going to stay, you know, hovering around this level probably until the next tropical season, unless, you know, some we can somehow coerce Mexico to release some water to us. All right. So that effort, there was a little headline 
uh, folks from um, IBWC thinking, well, perhaps they could reward uh, Mexico, <laughs> Mexico yeah. for releasing early or uh, not necessarily in, in compliance from what they see. But, I mean, what do you make of all this language of, and I don't know what the reward would be, uh, some incentive would be uh, uh, to Mexico. But Yeah, you know, there the IBWC and TCQ have had some stakeholder meetings and, you know, they've got 16 concepts proposed for uh, on this new minute that's supposed to be executed before the end of the year. They've had stakeholder meetings and, you know, the groups I'm, I'm affiliated with represent over 90% of the water rights. And yet these stakeholder meetings are not to listen to our, our input. It's just to really tell us what they're going to do. We we do not agree with about half of the concepts, but um, we have no voice. They're going to go ahead and do what they want to do, and 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 the way you interpret it is 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 what we what we don't agree with is we're basically rewarding Mexico, and we shouldn't have to reward them, you know, for living up to the terms of the treaty. That that's just a law between two countries that should be adhered to. We don't need to be helping them or rewarding them or incentivizing. We just need to somehow coerce them. Get the delivery. Yeah. Force them That's to right. release water to the U.S. Sonny Hinojosa is our local water advocate joining us on the morning news. Now, Sonny, Tim Sullivan here. What more can you tell us about this proposal from the IBWC? I guess it was some of it was revealed yesterday by the, by the commissioner in that meeting in Mercedes yesterday. What are the incentives being proposed? Evidently, there's there's a different interpretation, you know, of the treaty, you know, by by Mexico and and their users, and it appears that that they they're wanting to. Well, I don't even know how to state this. They listen more to the users in Mexico than they do to the users in the United States, and it's all because of a misinterpretation. You know, Mexico feels that they have ten years that if they don't deliver the water that's required in, under the treaty in five years, that they have a second five-year cycle. Well, that's a fact. They do. But that doesn't mean that they can just forego any releases to the U.S. They should be delivering a minimum of 350,000 acre feet per year. Correct. And instead, instead they're, just, they're just letting any, any rainfall meet that requirement, which is not occurring. And if they don't meet the 1.75 million acre feet in five years, that they do have another five-year cycle to, <laughs> to to deliver that water plus stay current in that second cycle. So you know, they want to narrow that down to five years. Well, we're saying no. It's supposed to be an annual delivery. I mean, it, it, the the term annual is in the treaty so many times, and yet you know they're they're just catering to Mexico once again conceding to what Mexico interprets. Has Mexico agreed to this uh, proposal yet? Are we at that point yet? Well, you know, the, the minute is supposed to be executed before the end of the year. And from what we've heard, it's supposed to be mid-December. So more than likely, uh, and the agreement has to be between IBWC and CELA, mm-hmm. uh, their, their Mexican counterpart. Uh, you know, the, the they they don't have a buy-in from us. Like I said, we represent at least ninety percent of the water rights. Um, and in Mexico, you know, the Conagua is is who regulates the water on their side. So if there's no opposition once they sign this minute, if there's no opposition by either country and for thirty days, then it becomes a, a minute to the treaty. 
So we have voiced over and over and time and time again our opposition to several concepts of this, yet it's fallen on deaf ears. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's going to happen. It's supposed to have a five-year window on it. So, uh, you know, we don't, approve, we don't agree with that either because if something is tried, uh, and once again, we're bending over backwards to help Mexico, and, and that's just going to probably stay permanent, you know, from this point forward. But the, the incentives are, or a couple of them are, that Mexico could transfer water and storage in the Amistad Falcon system to the U.S., and they can also assign any part of their two-thirds flow from those six tributaries to the U.S. You know, now that could get us some water, you know, sooner than after the five-year cycle ends, okay. you know, if it ends in a deficit. But, oh, you know, once again, if, if, if we do that, it could get us a short-term relief, but mm -hmm. in the long term, it really does hurt the system because it deprives the, the upper reaches of the river, you know, from flows if, if Mexico, you know, doesn't have to release 100% um, of what they owe. We're, we're running out of time, uh, Sonny. Look, I, I know we're looking at another planting season early next year. We're at 21%. Let's say by some miracle, everybody agrees, and just on paper, they take pen to paper on ledger they transfer ownership mexican ownership to the u.s how much does that increase us by and, and then farmers looking at all that saying okay well we can expect some allocation from from that do you know well see that that's another issue is is if if this minute gets gets approved which it probably will uh that'll be mid-december 30 days will be mid-january and this this only provides the vehicle for them to do so. It doesn't mean that they're going to, yeah. because this is the federal government, IBWC and SELA, saying, hey, here's this vehicle. You can now do this. Right. Well, Mexico still has to be a willing partner and say, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll help you. Understood. We'll, so we'll if, if they if. decide to participate, how much do we get then? Do we go up from 21 to... 28 21 34 what what do we go up to do you know as far as there has been there has been no there has been no volume of water that has been discussed mm. they're they're behind over 700,000 acre feet yeah and and, be, and Mexico's not going to let that water go yeah. not 700,000 acre feet still very short of what we and need for the planting season those a binational symposium a couple of weeks ago and and the speaker from Chihuahua said he said we've we've got we've got new plantings of a pecan orchards for as far as the eye can see. He says, we can't afford to give U.S. any water. We need that water for ourselves. So okay. that tells us that they have no plan to deliver any water to the U.S. In 15 seconds, Sonny, in 15 seconds. We're at 21%. In an ideal situation, where do we need to be? 34, 41%, 45% to, to the, at the start of planting season? We need to be at 35% for an average rainfall year. Okay. We need to be at 45% for a dry year. Okay. And we're nowhere near that ball. for the next growing season. Lord help our growers. All right. No, sir, we're not. Yeah. Thank you, we Sonny, from our county irrigation district number two, our water advocate, Sonny Inojosa.
you're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids. They're running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Monthly update from our Rio Grande Valley port of Brownsville. And let's go to the director, Ed Campidano. Good morning, Chief. Thanks for joining us. Okay, let's look at international ship breaking, international ship shipbreaking in the news for innovative robotics technology you featured in the most recent newsletter. So tell me a bit about that. Well, I think like most industry, you know, they're looking at sustainability into the future, you know, how to uh, be competitive, how to stay competitive, and more importantly, how to achieve, uh, you know, success. You know, one of the things about uh, international shipbreaking is, you know, well, one, as you know, the Port of Brownsville, you know, we bill ourselves as a premier ship recycler in the United States. You know, we've been in that business for over 50 years. ISL uh, is uh, owned by European Metal Markets. Uh, they're certainly distinguishing themselves as a global leader in the industry. Uh, this is another indication of that effort. You know, this allows them to not only uh, be competitive into the future, but you know, address, uh, continue to address a lot of concerns associated with safety. Uh, and uh, you know, this is another tool that they're looking to do that. And, uh, yeah, certainly commend them for that effort. And uh, they will, you know, continue to be uh, a global leader in the industry. Uh, I also think this goes very well as they move forward into the future, especially collectively on the Navy program. Uh, with the future of the naval vessels that are decommissioned that they will be putting out into market. Um, looking to improve the process, looking to improve safety of the process, the environmental sustainability of doing it correctly. Um, uh, you know, all, those all are, are, you know, cornerstones of the industry. So, you know, they're, they're really uh, getting out front there with, uh, uh, with, with what they're looking to do, what they're looking to introduce into the industry. And so, you know, that bodes, um, of course, that bodes well for the Port of Brownsville having an industry of that caliber and, and, and vision and fortitude to, uh, uh, to develop, uh, new technology, uh, to, uh, you know, All right. make the industry better, man. That's, that's, that's pretty interesting. Cold nugget of information you told me was we, I just found out we've been 50 years plus now. In the shipbreaking oh, business yes. at the Port of Brownsville, oh, did we bother buying oh, yeah. some uh, cake and punch to celebrate the 50-year 50, 50 mark? <laughs> oh, well, it's been a while. It's been quite a few years going back to the origins of the industry here at the port. And, you know, you have uh, three companies that do ship recycling. Two of them, you know, obviously are the big two, uh, international shipbreaking and SSA recycling. Uh, we also have All-Star, but... Uh, you know, these are stellar companies in the industry. And, you know, again, they're continuing to distinguish themselves as, as leaders in the industry, not just focusing on, you know, how quickly can we cut it out, 
but also you know the environmental implications the the safety implications that are critical to the industry so you know all those things are are, are you know um you know kind of going to yeah. lead the industry forward so uh, that's pretty exciting what they're doing with uh, looking at robotics to assist in in some of the work that they will be doing. Uh, uh, yes, so sir. That, that, that's pretty interesting. Status report, next decade, and the Rio Grande LNG facility. Uh, by now, I would imagine that the, the people helping with the hiring of all these people, thousands of people that need to be employed, Bechtel might be working overtime. So w- what can you tell me? Well, Bechtel certainly is working overtime. I think initially a lot of the work that's being done is, you know, obviously setting up for the big construction of the facilities. Most of it is still earthwork. It is a massive site. I don't think people can grasp the scale about how big this project is. Uh, it is. Uh, they've been going to town. Um, I, I particularly, uh, you know, they're looking to source. Uh, work and and subcontractors. You, you've got a lot of folks uh, from the valley, both on the subcontracting side, on the on the vendor side, uh, involved with what they're trying to do out there. You've got a lot of individuals from the valley working there now. I think the last number I heard in just gearing up where they were at the end of, uh, I believe, uh, at the end of October or possibly September. Uh, they had about 350 or 400 employees there. 80% of them were local here. A lot of employees are leaving their jobs in Houston and mm-hmm. whatever other parts of the country and <laughs> essentially coming home. Good. And, and that's, you know, that's really what's so exciting about this is, yeah. is the opportunities it will create not only for new employment opportunities, but also the opportunities for, for those that have been in this industry and follow the industry to be able to come home. Uh, many, many of the folks who will be involved, you know, the the best technicians in the world that build these facilities, guess what? They're from the valley. They have ties to the valley, and they're going to be coming home to the valley. Yes, sir. Um, Metal experts, construction experts, and uh, sorry, Houston, but it's good to hear that a lot of valley folks are coming back home with a skill set that's sorely needed, and at the local college, we need uh, folks that we can can train side-by-side with these experts at this facility, and it's long-range employment uh, to the tune of maybe three to five years in, in constructing this. I don't even think they're considering the fact that there's a second LNG facility that also might need to be built near well, future. So we're looking at many years of, of employment. That's true. And even and even if you if you saw the, 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 the progress that Next Decade has made, the, the group that was involved in achieving successful financial investment decision on this is also already the group that's looking at uh, remember, phase one of this project is train one, two, and three. There's still train number four and still train number five. So when you say that, you know, the outlook for jobs is three to five years, this potentially has an eight to 10-year horizon, you know, from beginning uh, to actually accomplishing all five of the trains and, and full production. So, so you know, it's... it's you need it to define is, uh, the term train for me. What, what do you say by tra- that? Train yeah. basically is the, the units that are used to liquefy the gas, mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of, they, 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 put, they line them up uh, and, and almost like a train would line up. Okay. And so that's why they call them trains. So there's five mm-hmm. units that will be used to liquefy the gas. And, and they're starting with what would be unit number one, unit number two, unit number three. But they're already working towards progress to also be able to move into unit number four and ultimately unit number five. Okay. So you will see this project in 
the work, certainly through the rest of this decade. Yes, sir. But and it has a lot farther timeline than three to five years. And <coughs> since we touched on that second one, uh, since we touched on that second uh, LNG, what can you tell me, Chief? Uh, you, you know, you said the folks that help uh, the investment. Texas LNG, what, what can you tell me on that, on, on that second well, LNG? Well, Texas LNG. Final still, investment decision, uh, Chief. What do you think? Final investment decision. They're, they're saying second quarter of 2024. Okay. Uh, they're making progress as well. You know, that's a different project. It's a, it's a smaller project. It's nonetheless, it's still significant. It's going to be a three to four billion dollar investment. Uh, it would only be uh, essentially producing four million metric tons per year. That's what their con- their commitment is for. Uh, but nonetheless, it's still significant. You know, yes, the, this when you compare the 27 million tons that. Uh, the next decade uh, through the Rio Grande LNG project is permitted to do and intends to, you know, that's going to be 31 million tons of LNG that would be produced here at the port uh, for export to foreign countries. Or, or you know, and, and, and it, again, whether it's Asia, whether it's Europe, I, I think you're going to see the opening of the Caribbean basin, you know, Central and South America, you know, so so it's it's going to be um, obviously a a big uh, very a big nice. big uh, very nice. uh, push all right uh, in the future. Thank you, Chief. That's Ed Campidano. He's the director for the Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk Seven Ten K U R V. Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is sergio at kurv.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.